Good morning. Good to be with you and good to be in the shelter from the storm. We, um, we thank the Lord for rain and um, thank the Lord that we can be in a place where he wants us and that's um, in the shelter out, out of the storm. So we praise him for that this morning. We are continuing in our study of um, the letter of Philippians. So if you'll turn there, please. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. We're glad to have you, Jim, with us and your daughter, I believe. Is that right? Welcome. Two weeks ago, as we studied this letter, we read of Paul's desire to, um, for his spiritual children to be shining lights in the world. That was really um, what I took away from, from the message. And the application was, are you living in such a way that the Lord is pleased to display you as a shining light? Paul commended the Philippians for their obedience, but he challenged them that God was still at work in their lives and his work was not yet complete. In their success, Paul's joy was the Philippians. The Philippians' joy would be God's joy. Nevertheless, there was a level of persecution against the church and there was an undercurrent of infighting among the brethren. There was contention there in the assembly. So in his earnest care for these Philippian believers, Paul wants to know firsthand what's going on in this dear assembly of saints in Philippi. So he'd like to know that firsthand, but he's, um, he's a little bit uh, limited because he's under arrest in Rome. So what's he to do? We find the answer in our study this morning, Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus." But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the impact of your word in lives of men and women today. Uh, we pray that you would speak to us Speak to us clearly in what you would have us to do, uh, those who do not yet know you, to come to relationship with you, and we who seek to serve you, that we might do so acceptably. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Paul begins this section by saying, I trust in the Lord. We know from James 4.15 that uh, Whenever we say we're going to do something, we, we say, if it's the Lord's will. Uh, James tells us, we ought to say, if the Lord's will, we shall do this or that. But Paul's 
statement, I trust in the Lord, is more than just a preference uh, to, to the Lord in his will. It's really an affirmation of faith and confidence, not doubt and uncertainty, that what Paul was writing was really the Lord's will, and uh, it was his best. In the Lord Jesus, Paul was so captivated by the Lord Jesus and his infinite love and mercy that Jesus had become the dominating power in and over uh, Paul's whole being and circumstances. Paul could not get the glory of the Lord Jesus out of his mind. And so Paul was one whom the uh, psalmist said in Psalm 91, he dwells in the secret place of the Most High and abides under the shadow of the Almighty. Paul was so consumed with, um, with a zeal for, for his Lord. May we who know the Lord in our lifetimes have the same zeal, the same desire, the same compulsion to, uh, to know the Lord and to obey him, to trust him. I trust in the Lord Jesus. Paul's determination was to send Timothy to find out the state of things in Philippi. Timothy seemed to be uh, Paul's right-hand man. He was uh, Paul's trusted assistant in Rome, where Paul was uh, writing, and uh, as he had been in Ephesus and in Corinth. Timothy was Paul's spiritual son. Paul had no one of like mind like Timothy. It's difficult to overestimate the impact that Timothy had as he assisted his spiritual father in his ministry. Timothy proved his value and his usefulness to, uh, to, his, uh, to Paul. But the greater his love and appreciation for Timothy, the more necessary it seemed for Paul to send Timothy away, to send him to Philippi to strengthen the church. In sending Timothy on this distant mission, really Paul is a picture of the Father as he, uh, God the Father, as he sent his son Jesus to the earth. For we, uh, we know the, the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We, um, uh, we worship the Lord this morning. Part of our worship was that um, the Father told the, the, um, the disciples, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. It was that esteem, it was that appreciation, it was that value that Jesus had to his Father that compelled the Father to send him to the earth. He alone was qualified for the job of redeeming sinners from punishment of, of their sin. God was willing for his son to depart from his side for a time that he might gain a larger good, a heavier glory. And isn't this what love does? Love sends its best. Love gives its best. Similarly, at home and in our assembly, 
we have a, an esteem, a regard, a dependence on certain brothers and sisters, and um, it's, their, it's their usefulness to us that makes it necessary for us to send them out to minister in other places. It makes the parting more painful the, um, the more dependent we are on them, but we trust that they, they have impact in other churches. What would Timothy endure in his travel? Paul's gonna send him to Philippi. What, uh, what kinds of things would go through your mind if, if Paul sent you from Rome to Philippi? Travel then was attempted only at great expense with much discomfort involving great danger and therefore only when absolutely necessary. Travelers gathered in groups for safety, uh, for defense against robbers or wild animals. A guide was um, useful, especially one who knew the locations of the uh, watering holes, but even so, um, as they traveled, sometimes they'd find that a spring had dried up. So what are some of the things you're thinking about as you, um, as you would prepare for a trip? This was not Timothy's first assignment. Paul had dispatched, he deputized uh, Paul, uh, Timothy to travel to Thessalonica from Athens. Would you bring up a uh, slide, Christine? Athens, Thessalonica, 312 miles. How do you travel? By foot. You could walk 20 to 25 miles per day. So uh, math, math students, do the math. How many days would it take you to go uh, 312 miles? Wow, such thinking. Couple weeks. Okay, so Paul had, uh, had dispatched uh, Timothy from Athens to Thessalonica, and um, so uh, Timothy walked the two weeks to, um, to get there. What you'd need, in, um, in walking is a good sturdy pair of uh, hiking shoes, Christine. So maybe a couple pairs to, uh, to get you the 312 miles. Or if you could afford it, a single seat all-terrain transport. And uh, judging from the saddle, you probably would make frequent stops just to stretch your legs. Yeah, this is um, this is really uh, really got your feet off the ground and um, provided some uh, level of, of comfort. A donkey. So that was one trip. Another was um, Paul dispatching Timothy from Ephesus to Corinth. Paul was a traveler, and so he he made these. Um, he made these journeys and he would send Timothy to churches that were in need. In 1 Corinthians 4, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said, I have sent Timothy to you, 
who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. It's good to, um, uh, to, to study scripture references. Paul wrote that to the Corinthians and we find him actually doing that, doing so in the book of Acts, uh, where it says, Luke wrote, um, he, that is Paul, sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus. So uh, look closer at, um, at our map here. Those blue dots are not Denny's restaurants, they're not Motel 6's, but um, this is modern travel. Uh, we have to qualify this, that um, the blue dots represent changes in highways or changes in modes of transportation. So um, you see you have different, um, uh, different roads that you have to take. What would you do for road signs? You come to a, a cross in the road, uh, a fork in the road, and you have to depend on a guide or what, uh, what road signs they had there to, um, to travel. This involved travel by sea. So when I, when I get to a seaport, I have to, um, which way was Paul headed here? From Ephesus to Corinth? Um, you have to have uh, good winds to, to get you to your port, or you could be waiting in, in port for, uh, for a long time for those. Once you got on your ship, uh, how would you pay? I have, um, yeah, I have a, a debit card. This, this could probably get me across Europe, but um, they'd laugh at me 2,000 years ago and say, uh, you know, we, we deal in gold here. If you have gold coins, you can come with us. So uh, I've got my bag of gold coins, um, but where do, I, where do I put the bag of gold coins? I mean, uh, I've got them in a pack, I guess, that's added weight, but whatever I need from, uh, from Ephesus to get to Corinth, I have to, I have to carry with me my, my um, my seafare, my air, airfare, my, um, my lodging, my food. Uh, so we need to think about these things as we prepare to travel. Okay, and then this trip. Next slide. was from Rome to Thessalonica. A lot of changes, um, another sea travel here. Um, this, um, this is 800 miles. Simple for us today, we, um, we just get on a flight and go. Um, they announced last week that um, SpaceX has a, um, a design on the board that will take you from New York to London in 90 minutes. You'll spend more time in the airport than you will in the air. <clears throat> but uh, what's going through Timothy's mind as he's thinking about making this trip? It's going to be months to, um, to prepare and to go and to minister. What would Timothy bring to the believers in Philippi? Perhaps theirs was a church that met in a home. 
There were four churches mentioned in the New Testament that gathered in a house. There's hardly any reference in the New Testament, check for me if you will, but um, there's hardly any reference to a dedicated building for, uh, for meetings. And the home worked, right Kathy? Yes, it did, for a long time. Um, so it could have been uh, an assembly our size, Philippi. We, we mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, we may have seen Lydia, uh, the, um, the seller of purple in the meeting. We may have seen the Philippian jailer with their adult kids and maybe grandkids. So Paul, uh, so Timothy's headed to, to Philippi. After observing and interacting with the saints for a week or two, Timothy may have re-emphasized some of the very truths that we found earlier in this letter. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Stand fast in one spirit. Don't be terrified by your adversaries. These are things that Timothy could well have, um, have re-emphasized to the Philippian believers. Suffer for the sake of Christ. Be like-minded, having the same love. Be of one accord, be of one mind. Do nothing through selfish conceit or ambition. In lowliness of mind, let each of you esteem others better than himself. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. So these are, uh, these are, this is ministry to the church, strengthening, strengthening the church. What would Timothy take from Philippi when he finished his ministry there? Ideally, he'd take a good report back to Paul. He would take encouragement. He'd be encouraged himself. His, uh, his trip out would be uh, lighter afoot than his trip to Philippi. To know better what this interaction would have involved, I'd like to look at Timothy's trip to Thessalonica. And we find details in 1 Thessalonians 3. If you would turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And put the, um, put the map, uh, I guess you're going to follow uh, with scripture, Christine, so that's fine, that's good. 1 Thessalonians 3, therefore, when we could endure it no longer, 1 Thessalonians 3, 1, we see in this statement Paul's intense desire, his care, his anxiety for the church at Thessalonica. We thought it good to be left in Athens alone and send Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow, fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. We see Paul's willingness to do without his assistant. And we see Timothy's qualification that um, to Paul, he was a brother and minister of God, a fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. To establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. Paul's goal for Timothy was to establish the believers in Thessalonica and to encourage them 
concerning their faith, that no one would be um, rattled by afflictions. And then he talks about the afflictions. He says, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this, for in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened and you know. There's an expectation of, of um, persecution. He wrote to, um, to Timothy later, he said, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. The amazing thing about you and I in the United States is that we don't suffer persecution. This is, um, this is the abnormality. What's common is that we would suffer persecution for living godly in Christ Jesus. Uh, a lot of people are confused. They, they say, well, um, we, we see on the horizon, we see the dark clouds of uh, persecution forming. And um, why is that a surprise? I mean, the, um, the early church suffered persecution. Um, our brothers and sisters overseas suffer persecution. Why do we feel um, that it's something strange that we would suffer persecution? The strange thing is that we don't. For this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. This was Paul's anxiety. Paul's fear was that um, Satan had got a hold of the assembly and that um, uh, he had disrupted the meeting and uh, dispersed the meeting um, and that Paul's labor had been in vain. What a relief then to hear Timothy's report. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. What did Timothy take to Thessalonica? He took... Um, encouragement, he took support, he took um, uh, strength to strengthen the, the saints there. What did he take from Thessalonica? Well, he took this glowing report that the Thessalonicans were thriving. They were doing quite well in spite of the persecution. So that was Thessalonica. Back to Philippi, back to Philippians 2. And verse 19, that um, Timothy uh, shows himself to be willing. Paul says, I will send Timothy to you. He did not write, I'm going to have a discussion with Timothy and we'll see if he's available for the next three or four months to, uh, to come to Philippi to be with you. Timothy was available. Timothy was Sendable. That is a word, sendable. I looked it up. <clears throat> Webster's doesn't uh, recognize it, but um, synonyms.com does. <laughs> he was sendable. What were Timothy's qualifications? Paul 
um, Paul goes into those in verses 20 through 22. He says that I have no one like-minded, that is, I have no one else who's like-minded like Timothy. And W.E. Vine defines that word like-minded as being of equal soul. Literally, it's of equal soul. I'm equal souled with, with Timothy. We have those values in common. I so um, enjoyed the um, illustration weeks ago of the concert um, violinist playing the note and having all the instruments tuned to that note. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. I'd like to make that more personal. I'd like to personalize it this morning. And so I'm going to ask for some audience participation. I'm going to play a note. I want you to respond by humming that note. Those of you who can carry a tune or a note, all right? Oops. Very good, very good. Very good. What are you doing? You are tuning your voice to the piano. Try, uh, I tried not to listen to my neighbor as I hummed. What I did was I tuned my voice to the piano. Because I tuned my voice to the piano, and you did too, we were like-minded. We had that in common, that note in common. Likewise, when I have the mind of Jesus, I have his values, his goals, I am like-minded with you when you have Jesus' values and goals. So this is what Paul is saying about like-mindedness. Timothy had a like mind with Paul. He was, he had, he was consumed by that desire for the, for the Lord's interests. Like-minded. Like-mindedness is Christ-mindedness in Paul's life, in his perspective. A total stranger could walk through that door and within minutes I could realize that he and I have like minds because we, uh, we think as Christ thinks about his church. Like-mindedness does not mean that we agree to disagree on major doctrinal um, items. Fundamental truths of the faith or the mission of Christ's church. It, it doesn't mean that as believers we, we allow each other to, to have these um, wrong thoughts about the Lord and his church and how he's going to establish his church. Rather, it means that we share in common the values that Jesus has, his goals, his aims for his church. Paul and Timothy shared a genuine care 
for the church at Philippi. He says, I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Care, our Vine Dictionary again, is an anxiety. In the original it means it's an anxiety. It's a distracting care. It's, um, it's a consuming care. It's something that we can't get off our minds. It's something in scripture that we usually try to avoid, this kind of uh, anxiety. And yet, in this context, the object was good. It was the Philippian believers. Paul had this anxious care for these, um, these Philippians, and Timothy shared it. In his list of sufferings for Christ, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, he says, besides all these other things that I suffer, the shipwreck, the beatings, the sleepless nights, he said, what comes upon me daily, the deep concern for all the churches. The same word as care, this deep concern, was that anxiety. Paul had an anxiety for these believers and Timothy shared that deep concern. Paul was outspoken in his love for the Philippian believers. He said in, um, in the beginning of the letter, I have you in my hearts. You can't get any closer than that. I have you in my hearts, in my heart. He tells them later in this letter, he says, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown. He loved these believers. He was part of the church. He was, uh, helped establish the church there in Philippi. He was tied to them. Where does this love come from? Well, it's a heavenly love. In the beginning of the letter, Paul said, God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. There's the source, there's the, the quality and the quantity of my love. It's the affection of Jesus Christ. Paul's love was fueled from heaven. It came from heaven's throne, from God himself. And in fact, he would write to the Corinthians, the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So the love that Paul had for the, for the uh, Philippians was a compelling love. He had a genuine care for them because of the love of Jesus for him and for them. The Lord Jesus has given caring ministers and servants and shepherds to his church. Uh, back then and today. Then uh, qualification was that um, in verse 21, all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Timothy was the exception that he sought the things of Christ Jesus. Other pursued their own interests, their own satisfaction, their own glory, the things that brought them pleasure. Timothy pursued the Lord's interests, the things that brought the Lord pleasure, the glory and um, his interests. 
were the things that Timothy sought that belonged to the Lord. Like-mindedness was Timothy's first qualification, and his second was his proven character. Paul reminded the Philippians, he said, you know his proven character. He accompanied Paul in establishing the church at Philippi. Timothy knew Lydia. Timothy knew uh, the Philippian jailer. Timothy was acquainted with the, um, with the saints there. Timothy wasn't a novice, even though he was young. He was tried and proven. As a son, he served Paul in the gospel. Elisha poured water on the hands of Elijah. Elisha went after Elijah and ministered to him. You see that Elijah had his assistant, as Paul had Timothy. Joshua was Moses' assistant. He was with Moses in the temple, in the, in the tabernacle. He um, accompanied Moses when they had to leave the camp. He was um, as a son to Moses. What characterized Elijah and Joshua and Timothy was devotedness, dependability, availability to stand in when needed. Timothy served as a son to Paul in the gospel. Why would that be a qualification for ministering to believers in Philippi? Why would, uh, why would experience and success in the gospel be necessary for ministering to the saints at Philippi? Because the gospel was always first and foremost in the apostles' preaching. He wrote to the Corinthians, I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This was first, this was foremost in my preaching to you in Corinth and um, probably in Philippi as well. And so when we, when we need ministry, we need support, we, uh, we need help, let's go back to the basics. Let's go back to the first, that Christ died for our sins and he was buried and that he rose again. Paul would tell the, um, the Corinthians, he said, I determined not to know anything among you, Corinthians, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. There was an aged saint, um, here in our meeting who said that if the cross of Christ isn't everything to you, it's nothing. It occupies that place of preeminence, that place of um, um, indispensability, the cross of Christ. What is the cross to you this morning? Is it a mystery? Is the cross a mystery to you, shrouded with superstition and, and fog, uncertainty? Or is it a place where heaven's 
justice and heaven's love met, where Christ paid the penalty for your sin. What are you trusting in this morning? Is there um, an element of good works to your salvation? Are you, are you holding out that perhaps you can add to your salvation somehow? Or are you depending in the work of Christ alone? That's what, that's what makes the, Christ, the cross of Christ so central, is that Jesus paid it all. There's nothing to, to, uh, to add to his salvation. It's complete. It's finished. And all I have to do as a guilty, ill-deserving, rotten sinner is to trust that the Lord paid it all, that all I have to do is, is receive that by faith, and I am saved, I'm redeemed, I'm His. That's not complicated. It's, um, it's simple enough for a child to understand. And yet it's fascinating enough to occupy our earthly lives in worshiping the Lord and in eternity to, to see what, uh, what the love of Christ is displayed at the cross. If you're not sure of how the death of Christ can pay the penalty for your sin, I beg you, I ask you to uh, to talk with, uh, with one of us and find out how that sacrifice of Jesus Christ at Calvary um, will benefit you through faith. Timothy was qualified because of his single-mindedness, because of his proven character. He was sendable. Paul could send him on this mission. In verse 23, Paul intensifies his purpose. He reaffirms his commitment to send Timothy at once. He would soon learn his, the disposition of his um, appeal at the court of Caesar. He says, as soon as I see how it goes with me. And Paul boasted in his confidence in verse 24, I trust in the Lord that I myself will come shortly. Paul was um, in his 60s when he wrote this letter. He didn't excuse himself from the difficult and far-reaching ministries. We older folks can't excuse ourselves from reaching out in faith, stepping out in faith to uh, to the unknown, to serve the Lord. In his, um, in his willingness to go to Philippi, Paul displays that principle of leadership that you don't ask another person to do what you're not willing to do yourself. Paul would not ask Timothy to go to Philippi if Paul were not willing to go himself. And Paul was eager to go. Application time. How do we apply this? Paul's intense desire, his care, his anxiety for the Philippians that he shared with Timothy. Timothy's availability, his provenness of character, his like-mindedness. How do we apply this to our lives this morning? 
Jesus told his workers, his disciples, in John 20, as the Father sent me, I also send you. The Father sent me in sacrificial love. The Father sent me on a difficult mission. Jesus told his disciples, I send you. Are you sendable? Few of us will cross the ocean to Kazakhstan, to the Philippines, to Peru, although the opportunities are there, even short term, for us to do so. There are needs closer to home. One of our saints is in need of encouraging visits. It doesn't require an apostolic commission to, to go. Do you have a sincere care? Do you have a genuine interest? Are you seeking the things of the Lord Jesus? Are you of proven character? Then go. A spot opens up on the responsibilities schedule. Will you volunteer? Will you be sent? From out of state, a person calls the chapel asking for someone to visit her relative in a rest home. Just leaves a, leaves a message or actually talks to one of us here. Would you please visit my relative in this rest home? It's nearby where you, you have your assembly and it would mean so much to me. Okay, I've got a name, I've got an address, and that's all I have. I have no idea who this person is, if they know the Lord, uh, if they're interested in the Lord, will you go? Here. These aren't things I've made up, these are real life, um, real life examples. Isaiah's experience was, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. Let's pray. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the examples that you give us of um, genuinely caring under shepherds like um, Paul and his assistant Timothy. Lord, we, um, we recognize your love this morning and the tremendous needs around us. And we pray that um, we might see the provision that you've made in going ourselves. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.